You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a bite-sized podcast that brings you real-world insights that help go-to-market professionals evolve and stay up-to-date on the latest trends. Join us as we share best practices and proven techniques from industry experts and practitioners. Today's episode is made possible by Demand Matrix. Demand Matrix helps you complete your data stack with technographic, intent, and revenue potential data to help you accelerate revenue. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Sunny Side Up. Once again, I'm your host, Asher Matthew, and I'm super excited to talk to Ivan Galia about the role of data science and analytics in B2B sales. Ivan, welcome to the show. Thank you. So, Ivan, tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are today. I joined, I'm currently a VP of Analytics and Data Science at Atlassian. Um, Before Atlassian, I had a similar role at Box, uh, where I was for uh, just over four years. Uh, Before that, I was in charge of customer analytics uh, and the head of data science at PayPal, and um, um, I had a, a, um, a, a career on the East Coast before that, uh, both in Wall Street and at a consulting company, Boston Consulting Group. Wow, that's, that's, that's amazing. And, and as I was reading about your intro, uh, it actually had the words, Ivan has a soft touch to reduce the fear of change. I thought that was super duper interesting. Can you share a little bit about that? Well, a lot of my career, especially in, in in analytics, but in pretty much every much everything that I've done, it's it really involves change, and it involves how do you partner with stakeholders, whether they are internal or when I was in consulting and management consulting and in on the client side, how do you enable change to happen at a time when there is such a large you know transformation whether it's from digitization or from big data and so as as a practitioner of of data science being able to handle change and being able to be a change agent it's it's crucial it's part of the role superb and so let's dive into the topic a little the role of data science and analytics in B2B sales. So tell us a little bit about why you chose this topic. From a data science perspective, especially the way that we work on data science in Silicon Valley and most of the technology companies, the majority of the effort typically tends to be within product. And obviously that's there's a reason for it for most B2C companies the product is the center of attention. You want to increase engagement, and then over time, you want to monetize that engagement. From a B2B perspective, product is critical as well, but you also have a larger component around go-to-market. And historically, data and data science and analytics wasn't necessarily at the center of go-to-market. Now, that is shifting. Um, It's definitely shifting within marketing over the last decade or so. Marketing as a function has been fully transformed with the inclusion of data, where now digital marketing are crucial on a resume for, for a potential CMO. Sales, if anything, is a little bit where sales was um, a few years ago. 
Um, there is definitely more data being included within sales, within how sales leaders manage sales organizations. At the same time, there are still, to my mind, a lot of opportunities that are not fully tapped out. Superb. And you know, so I understand data science, and there's been a couple of data scientists that have been on the podcast, and they've explained data science a little bit. But machine learning is is still a slightly a vague topic to me. So can you add a little bit of color to machine learning and its applications and 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 just to educate the audience? The terminology around data science and analytics are interused in at certain point in time like 5 10 years ago data science used to be referred to what we call now machine learning. Um, these days data science tends to be uh, mixed with analytics. So instead of like getting confused and tied up in terminology, the way that I would like to look at it is as follows. There is a foundation of data that enables you to answer basic questions around what is happening. And then out of that foundation of analytics, you need to get into certain level of questions around why something is happening. Why are we seeing these trends? What are the drivers for these trends? And then once you're able to answer that and you have a fairly large amount of data, you can start getting into predictive and you can start getting into modeling. And some of the models, uh, some of the tools that are incredibly powerful these days are machine learning or ML models. I look at it as that gradation rather than ML being some sort of panacea, especially when it's applied in a B2B setting, especially when it's applied in general to business concepts. ML, it's a tool in the tool set. If we're looking, for example, to improve visual recognition, ML is crucial. And it's a way that where you can quantify the importance and the accuracy that's not necessarily the case when you're applying it within the context of a business application. Super interesting. And I guess, do, has the technology of deploying ML at scale become better today? Like, what's your opinion on that? So, again, I would look at two different use cases. I would Let's take one use case, let's say visual recognition. So, uh, I want to take a picture or I want a user to upload a picture and I want to get an understanding of what that picture shows. Like that, does that picture show an animal or a tree, for example? That's a fairly straightforward use case. Um, then there is the other use case where we're trying to improvise, we're trying to create more efficiency or improve a business process. The utilization of ML is different. In this case, we do need to have an understanding of what is happening, what are the dynamics, what are the drivers, what traditionally we used to call analytics. And then in certain cases, we can apply ML as a model. So in terms of, you know, what do you need to enable that in order to apply more sophisticated modeling within a business context, especially B2B, you cannot short-circuit the need of investing in that data foundation. And the majority of organizations are already making investments in this area. From my experience, it requires not only the technical investment, but it also requires a business investment in having the 
decision makers using data in their decision making. And uh, that's a separate uh, angle that is a requirement before you can utilize more sophisticated models like ML. I will tell you that before joining Demand Matrix, which is the company that sponsors this podcast, right? I had no idea of any of these capabilities being out there. But the more I've learned about this, the more I've become a fan of figuring stuff out with the data versus just taking the data that's reported out of like CRM or marketing automation and just trying to make my own sense out of it. And uh, and I will say it's it's truly an applied learning because you have to go in with a different mindset to to use all of these tools that are now available. That's absolutely correct. And it, it, that's what I was referring um, as the data maturity in how do you approach business questions. So you need to have the foundation, you need to have the data capture. Um, there are other layers that would enable you to be able to understand what is going on, to have conversations around the drivers of what is going on. And then you need to have a growth and maturity into the way that we approach the business concept. And um, and that's a separate angle altogether. And that's maturity around using data to make decisions. So, so let's dive into that a, a little bit, right? because you have a change management background as, as well. Almost every single time when you're dealing with go-to-market teams that don't have a deep appreciation for data, or actually not even a, like a, a superficial uh, appreciation for data, like the, the notion is always that the data is bad, right? And, uh, and I wonder if, if, as you've been working with teams at Box and now at Atlassian, like how do you help those teams unlearn their current way of thinking and learn this new way of thinking? Does that make sense? It does. And uh, this is where I think a lot of um, go-to-market teams and specifically sales teams, in my experience, struggle with. The, I've never worked in, a, in an environment where the data is perfect. So you're always dealing with you know, nuances of data and in some cases, some data quality issues. But you, you need to look at data as a craft and making sure that you're having the right level of um, specialized people that are working on it. And then separately from that, you need to connect the dots with business. Um, that means that the business leaders need to be able to ask the right questions in order to unpack, to unlock the right value. If you're not asking the right questions, it's very difficult to unlock the value. And if I look at the transformation within marketing as a function over the last 10 years, and then I mirror on top of that where we are on the sales side, um, I see a similar trajectory. And we've seen it coming up in different sectors and industries. In the beginning, a lot of the questions are basic information around like what is going on. And typically the output of that is a dashboard or or a set of dashboards that give you a sense of what is happening. That's foundational. Now, a set of dashboard doesn't make the organization to be more data-driven. In order to get there, you need to base on that foundation of what is happening into a level of understanding of what is the dynamics and how do I quantify some of the things that I want to measure. 
And it also requires a culture that in some technology companies, um, what we call KPIs or metrics. When you're setting up goals, you set up goals that can be quantifiable. That's a cultural component. These two go hand in hand. It's very difficult to establish and develop a culture around KPIs without having a true foundation of data. And then at the same time, it's very difficult to establish a foundation of data, but having no partner on the business side that is using KPIs as a mechanism to rally the whole organization behind. In organizations that make traverse this successfully, these two things go hand in hand. Very interesting. And as you were saying that, I was just thinking that do, and and this may be a philosophical question, right? Uh, sales teams to modify their behavior in a lot of cases people use enablement and incentives right and and then then you start moving enablement to the to the parts of the organization that you do need to bring change in and then you compensate in uh, once the change is uh, is evident and then but for data science teams my historical thinking has always been that they have a base and then they probably have a bonus, right? Like in your experience, have have you, I hate to use the word experiment, but, but have you tested the uh, different forms of incentives for data science teams as they're aligned with the business teams? So in, in terms of in incentives, there is a distinction between quota carrying wraps, where you have a commission based on meeting a certain quota, and um, data scientists that you align certain goals with certain business outcomes. Like in most companies that I've worked with, part of the uh, payment is, is, is variable, and the, the, um, that's a function of um, some um, in business impact. And in some cases, it's aligned with a business KPI, um, either at the overall company level or at the initiative level that they are working on. So I think it's pretty common. It's, it's not going to be at the same level as like quota and commission. I think um, the broader point here, though, is the way the, the, um, the, the impact from a more of a data-driven approach on sales, it's a question of scale. Historically, B2B sales scale linearly, meaning if I'm getting $100 and I want to get $200, typically I would need to double the resources. And if you look at that um, at, 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 at that graph over time, what happens, in fact, is that that graph actually doesn't even scale linearly. At certain scale, um, at certain size, because of inefficiencies that crop up with, with the scale, um, you start getting less incremental benefit for a unit of uh, resource inclusion. And the need and the power of data science or analytics within sales, to my mind, is how you change that relationship. How do you create a relationship where you're actually not only growing linearly between the two, between input, resources, headcount, and output, output in the form of like recurring revenue or, or something that is measurable at the, at the revenue level, how do you create scale? How do you create that, that relationship to be actually better than linear? That's the opportunity. And that's something that I think is, um, it's something that is uh, within the B2B 
industry we have to unlock as we go forward. Fantastic point. I mean, if there's a way to make reps more productive or focus them on the right accounts or, you know, I mean, I'm like, there's a lot of people that are trying this, but I don't think that all of those, uh, I would say, mechanisms that help go from linear to exponential productivity have actually come into play yet. I, I totally agree. And I think I'll make a meta point here and then I'll apply it within the B2B sales use case. The meta point is that to my mind, like when we were talking about two separate use cases a few moments ago, one of it, I gave the example of visual recognition. The other one is around business process. Um, to be honest, like the visual recognition is fairly straightforward. Like it's easy to measure the impact. And uh, you, there is a certain expectation that over time, we're going to keep refining it. Typically, the more data that you put into that such a model, such an approach, you get a better output. The relationship within the, the application or applicability of data science within business process doesn't follow those laws. And the, the distinction there is the following, that you need to get the machine or a model to work hand in hand with individuals, with people. And that's really challenging to do. And so ML as a, as a, as a business tool, as a technical tool, over time will become better and cheaper. And um, that's the expectation. Um, however, that improvement doesn't necessarily mean that the applicability of data science or, or ML with business processes would improve. The challenge here is that you need to marry together a particular business model within a context of a company with the tool that we're, with the tools such as ML, and that requires that maturity on both sides. That's the challenge. Like if I look at the opportunity for ML over the next ten years, what we need to unlock as a data science community is more this challenge, this interplay between machine and people versus making a particular model, whether it's visual recognition or speech recognition, um, you know, 1% or one basis point better. Fantastic point. I mean, I could talk to you for hours of this stuff. <laughs> it's a, it's a, uh, because it, the, the solution and the application of the solution is so exciting. And, and I, I remember even being part of a couple of fast-growing startups that that no matter what we tried, we hit like X number of deals per person per month. And that average, like no matter what we tried, we couldn't just like like double it. And we kept hitting a wall. And then the only solution we had left was we needed to add more people, more people, more people, more people, more resources, more people, more marketing, right? Like like that's what we, that's what we ultimately re- relied on. Uh, uh, but that, this was a few years ago, though. And uh, uh, but but the 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 idea that the that you could exponentially increase a rep's productivity uh, is fascinating because revenue per employee is actually the one of the key metrics that uh, companies are measured on. Let's let's kind of like frame it more in a more tangible manner. Like imagine that you have an organization with hundred reps and you want to add another 100 traps. The, what we're talking about is how you can ensure that the revenue is more than double by adding more reps. 
in the in my experience with like sales organizations, I would call them traditional B2B sales organizations, that relationship, it's less than linear, meaning like you double the number of salespeople, you're getting less than double the revenue. And the difference between the two typically ends up because of inefficiencies with the scale. Um, You need to spend much more effort on communication. You need to spend much more effort on um, creating enough content on the marketing side to feed all the team. You need to make sure that every single rep, um, as, as you're hiring them, you need to train them and you need to make sure that they are across everything else that's happening on the, on the product side. And that's challenging with scale. Now, the opportunity that we have as a, as, as, as within the B2B um, industry is how you can leverage data and information to enable that scale. And in some cases, it means that you need to have this interplay between, I'm going to call it machine or data or model or, 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 or whatever it is that is automated, that is totally scalable, and the individual. Um, and, and that requires a deeper understanding of the use cases and the value that a rep is bringing to the table versus other functions or use cases that typically have been done by reps, but where reps are not adding incremental value. And uh, very often that has to be done at the company level. And this is where having a sales leadership that appreciate, have a deep appreciation and understanding of the interplay with data become critical because you need to root it within the overall business concepts that you have, um, what you're trying to sell, who do you're, you're trying to sell it to, and um, any portion of the workflow that a typical rep have been doing for, for some time that you can scale and that you don't need necessarily a human person to do it, that's when you can lean on data and on models and on data science to do. And that's how you create um, that scalability that we're talking about. Fantastic. So let's dive a little bit into how you've structured your team. Can you guide us into the framework of how you've structured your team? Uh, Sure. So I am a big believer in being able to have a holistic picture of customers and users from uh, various angles of the organization. So um, what this, that means is that when we're applying a, when we're looking at a particular business question, I want to have within the conversation somebody who is representing marketing analytics, for example, and somebody who is looking at product analytics in the same conversation. Although they're, the way that they are looking at the problem is different, um, I'm a big believer that the two vantage points are incredibly ad- additive together. So the way that I, I structure my teams is that we have a functional perspective. So in, in the case of Atlassian, I have a go-to-market analytics team that work 100% with go-to-market functions, marketing, sales, and customer success, um, and then a similar thing on R&D. And people are embedded within their respective stakeholders, and so they develop a really close relationship. They understand the roadmap. They understand the types of business questions that we're trying to unlock. At the same time, they're bringing that analytical and data uh, into those conversations. 
And then from a, if we step back, we can look at some of the business, um, the, the, the gnarly business questions that we're dealing with at the organization from that holistic picture, especially at the more senior um, team members. And that's where you get a lot of um, leverage because now we're looking at churn, for example, both, both from a marketing perspective or a sales perspective, as well as from a product perspective. The way that organizations typically are structured just by necessity is that they are relatively siloed. The PM team is looking at the problem from a product perspective. And so typically they look at users. The go-to-market team is typically looking at customers and they're looking at customer acquisition. Now, when we're dealing with issues uh, like retention, for example, customers are not looking at the organization in terms of functions. They're looking in terms of one holistic experience. And the beauty of having this view from an analytics or data science perspective, it's really critical. Like ultimately, we need to have a deeper understanding of the experience that customers and users are having of our uh, product and our offering. And from an analytics perspective, we need to be able to both do the deep dive, which by its nature is functional, as well as having an overlay and have that viewpoint, that vantage point that customers are and users are looking at us as a, as a, as a service, as an offering. Very interesting. And I guess as you're saying that, I'm just thinking about the team support to you, but they sit, let's say the go-to-market uh, uh, analytics teams or the leaders of those teams sit in each other's meetings. Like how does that day-to-day, uh, uh, how does this manifest in, in their day-to-day interactions? So from a day-to-day perspective, they belong to... They, they, they work as almost part of a particular um, cohort of, of employees. So, for example, like go-to-market analytics, sit within the head of that team, sit within the leadership of marketing. And, um, you know, they get in the weeds of understanding where we are as an organization, as a marketing organization. What are the North Star? What is the roadmap? What are we trying to uncover? And make sure that their team is also building that close engagements and partnerships with their respective stakeholders. So that ensures that the work that we're doing is we have the right context of the business. Now, at the same time, when we're dealing with broader, typically cross-functional issues, then we're looking at it more horizontally. Um, So you need to find that sweet spot between that vertical deeper dive understanding and that where you need to build relationships, trusted relationships with your stakeholders. At the same time, especially at the uh, more senior, um, like at the manager level, you want to be able to step back and look at the business in that is more cross-functional. And you need to connect the dots, especially from a user or customer analytics perspective. Yeah. And, and and I'm just thinking even louder that like let's say there is a new uh, VP uh, level person for data science like like let's say I become a VP the first time right like like what are some of the things that I as a new executive of data science and analytics need to think about 
I, I mean, I'm, I'm taking like tidbits of like information from everything that you've already shared, right? But I'm also thinking that of all the experience that you've had, which is tremendous, like, like what are some of the gotchas that I should avoid? It's very easy in, in data science to focus on the data and to not to look at the user or customer that is behind the data. And that's a danger. Um, sometimes it, it, the danger transpires in, into different angles. One angle is that we tend that there, it, it's easy to fall into the trap that the data that we capture represent reality. Uh, the data that we capture is one representation of reality. It's not reality. And um, so one thing that I do every week and that I encourage my team to do is to stay really close with all the qualitative research that we do internally by a separate organization. And um, I carve out time, typically my Friday afternoons, to review research that this team is creating. Um, They're looking at the problem, at the same customers that we're looking at, but they're approaching it from a different angle. They're approaching it from surveys, from um, talking with customers. The truth sits somewhere between um, the qualitative and the quantitative. My team tends to focus a lot on quantitative data points, and quantitative data points are incredibly powerful, but by their nature, it's also limiting. It's not reality. This is a representation of reality. So first point that I would suggest that I found it very helpful for myself is to keep that first and foremost in in your mind. Um, Second thing is that very often when you're looking at data, you're looking at the past. You're looking in the rear view mirror. Now, if you know nobody in their right um, frame of mind would drive their car looking at the past, um, looking in their rearview mirror. You want to look forward, even though there are uncertainties about when you look forward. And being able to have an understanding of when do you apply learnings from the past as you're looking into, as the, as the company is progressing forward, that's a requirement of a... That requires both science and art, and uh, that interplay, especially at the senior level, between when to rely on science and when to rely on art, to my mind, it's a critical component of a data science leader. Um, And then being able to share that within the team, that what they are looking at, the data that they're looking at, is when do you think that the data is covering a particular use case of a customer and when you look elsewhere in order to have a more holistic picture of users and customers. Superb. Well, thank you so much for sharing this insight. I have found it tremendously helpful and I'm sure our audience is going to have some key takeaways here because you've shared some nuggets which sound very simple, but all of this stuff requires thought, you know, even going into it. And in my own journey of understanding these concepts, I really had to unlearn almost everything that I thought about data and then start to work with data. And you're right, the data will never be be 100% perfect, right? But even if there is like, even if it's 50 or 70% per, better than it was before, that's still directionally moving you into a world where you can make an informed decision versus make a complete decision by by a hunch. Exactly. That's you're absolutely right.
Terrific. Well, this has been been great. You know, on this podcast, we always ask people who would be two other folks in the marketplace that you respect that are related to go to market or to data science or analytics that you believe we should bring on to the show as a guest. Well, um, Atlassian as a company, we have a really unique go-to-market uh, framework and model. Uh, we we're not we don't have a traditional B two B sales model. We rely very heavily on both low touch and and to some extent high touch in our go-to-market. And uh, I think this is more about how the future of go-to-market of B two B's go-to-market would look like. Um, two colleagues, uh, one current colleague, one ex-colleague that I've partnered with, that I've spent uh, a lot of time um, working with and learning from. Um, uh, One of them is Tom Tsao. He's VP of e-commerce at at Atlassian. Um, The other one is an ex-colleague, Archna Agrawal. She is currently the CMO of Airtable. Uh, She was a VP of of, um, cloud marketing at Atlassian. I've learned a ton from them. And they also bring in a different way of looking at go-to-market and a way that is rooted in data, which I think is incredibly powerful um, as we go forward within within the B2B industry. I mean, it sounds like you got all the people that love to talk about data as your friends, and you, you can just talk to all of them for hours every day. <laughs> <laughs> That's absolutely right. This is great. I love it. I feel, I feel like I can talk to you for hours every every day. You know? But we both have businesses to run to. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, I mean, this is this. The next question is a little bit more for 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 marketers. But let's take a take uh, take a whack at it. Right. Uh, we always ask people if this their podcast that we were doing with us was to be converted into a hashtag. What would their hashtag be? And so I'm going to ask you the same question. If you wanted to convert this podcast into a hashtag, what would your hashtag be? So I I mentioned earlier in this conversation around kind of how marketing as a function has evolved over the last decade or so um, from essentially a field that leaned very heavily on large events to what is now heavily reliant on digital marketing. Uh, If I had to summarize this conversation, I would I would use a hashtag of digital sales. I know that the terminology is starting to pop up here and there. I think that um, there is a lot more to unpack and there is definitely a lot of potential from doing it well and doing it at scale. Oh, that's actually super interesting because if you would have told me digital sales or hashtag digital sales at the beginning of this podcast, I would totally think about it differently than now in the podcast. So... Thank you for sharing that with us. And I think I think that uh, hashtag will garner a lot of comments uh, as we publish this podcast. And so we'll have a chance to actually explain to the world like what the future of sales looks like. That's great. I love it. So last question. If folks in our audience want to get in touch with you because you have a wealth of knowledge, right? Uh, what would be the best way for them to do that? LinkedIn, typically, it's a it's a good medium. Um, more to get introduced and kind of like kick off a conversation and then moving to like calls or email. But I would, I would suggest LinkedIn for that. Terrific. Well, Ivan, thank you so much for joining us on the show and spending some time with us. I've personally found this conversation tremendously helpful, and I'm sure our listeners would be too. Thank you for coming on the show, and 
best of luck with your journey. Thank you. Enjoy the time. Cool. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Sunny Side Up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review us and share these insights with your peers. 